0: UMass looked like they were going to pick up a much needed comeback win on Friday night, but then in a the shootout loss to extend their second half skid. We're breaking down everything from this game and discussing how we're feeling about the team right now, so let's go.
1: McCart, one timer go!
0: High Character. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 105 of High Character. UMass only had one game this week and it was a somewhat disappointing 3-3 tie. They dropped the extra point in the shootout to UConn. Um, UConn didn't have any quality wins all year so a little bit disappointing. UMass continues their their slide here to start the second half of the season. My name is Cameron and once again I am joined by my good pal Evan. Evan how you doing man? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm cozy, you know, it's snowing outside right now. We're getting that little, you know, nor'easter action or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, thinking about the game, not, not great. Not as cozy, I'll say, mm-hmm. um, I'm not gonna, you know, start slamming the panic button yet. You know what I mean? But I'm a little concerned, you know, like there, there were definitely some key absences for the game, you know, at least for, for this, this, the skid, as you kind of called it. These past three games, we've been missing some some key guys, but I don't know. I'm always a believer of kind of like that that next man up type of mentality, and I feel like maybe that hasn't necessarily been the case. And you know, we're definitely going to talk about it today on on this episode.
0: Yeah, we're recording on Sunday, so we're a couple days removed from the one game. Uh, kind of had a chance to to soak it all in, and I gotta say, I'm not I'm not feeling any better honestly than I was feeling Friday night. Yeah, Um, just just thinking about things about uh, the way that the defense played for a lot of this game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've had any epiphanies over the last couple of days thinking about this one.
1: No, nothing's really changed in my head. Like, I'm definitely still kind of in the, you know, again, not slamming the panic button per se, but like fingers, fingers, hovering over it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're we're getting around around that time. Like, you know, if you look at kind of the stretch of the games when we were kind of thinking about, like, you know, the schedule preview episode that we were doing. I'm pretty sure I said on that episode, we're we're looking at like the beginning of a big win streak right here, you know, just with, you know, the overall quality of opponents. Like we thought that, you know, Cornell and Clarkson, you know, or I guess whatever team we were going to play in the in the second half of the of the turn of the in-season tournament would have been, you know, fairly beatable games, if that makes sense. Definitely winnable games there. And it would have been no different with UConn, especially, you know, with with Merrimack, you know, later on. I thought, you know, they were going to be doing better than they are this season. So it kind of like reinforced it even more so. I feel like, you know, with with kind of just like how they're doing this season and how we've been doing, you know what I mean? I feel like it was going to be a nice, you know, start to the second half of the season. And again, you look at it, it's technically two ties and a loss, but it doesn't feel like that, at least to me at all. I, I definitely am taking those. You know, shootout losses, to me, they're losses. You know what I mean? Regardless of if there's an extra point to play for or not, I still don't want to see us dropping shootouts like we have been recently. And, you know, I, I think, again, little concerning, not panicking yet, but I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing is the first half of the season, the team really found ways to win games, mm-hmm. uh, even even when they shouldn't have. These last three games to start the second half, uh, very winnable games, all three of them. Yeah and they just somehow found a way to either not not come back when they could have or kind of choke it away at the end. So um, there's reasons for that, obviously. Uh, we'll get into the lineup here. A um, c- couple guys still at World Juniors we talked about in the last episode. We were hoping uh, to possibly have Michael Rabble and Don Zlochmelis back for this game. Uh, Don's actually lost his game. In the beginning of the week and Michael Hrable won it. So we knew we wouldn't have Michael Hrable. Uh, congrats to him, by the way, for winning bronze medal in the world yes, team. a big time accomplishment for him. So definitely happy for him there. Um, a little bit surprised not to see Don Melis especially because Matthew uh what's his last name? On, Matthew on U- Wood. Matthew Wood on UConn. Yeah, he, he played for Team Canada and got bounced the same day. And he was back for UConn. So um a little bit of a surprise not to see him. So uh obviously Cole Brady's in net. Still missing Samulian in Asari. He's a, yep. a pretty big guy to have out on the defensive end of things. So um still shorthanded, and that definitely played a factor again in this game.
1: Yeah, again, like really, really big misses for, you know, either whether it be injury reasons or, you know, just representing your country overseas in Sweden. You know, that definitely a couple different reasons for missing guys there. But yeah, super happy for Rabble. I mean, I know in the uh you know, in that third place game, I think he ended up getting pulled in the first period. But I think that was more or less just like a wake up call for his team as a whole rather than being on him. He was basically one of the major reasons why they were even playing for a medal to begin with because they ended up shocking Team Canada. So big time plaudits are, you know, and and getting a medal with uh, his Czech team. But um, same thing with Melis. I mean, I feel like it kind of makes sense, at least in my mind, that he didn't play. I know, you know, you, you look at guys like, you know, like Matthew Wood and, you know, they come back quote unquote on time, if you will, you know what I mean? And if Dons is missing, I'm personally chalking that up to the fact that he had to basically hard carry the Latvian team. You know, he was the guy, he was playing top line minutes, you know, basically the entire time and having to be the guy that was, you know, he was probably taking checks. I think he gave out a check too, which I think led him to get suspended. But point is, He's out there, you know, banging bodies, scoring goals, doing the most. And I feel like that's going to have to weigh on a guy. You know what I mean? I'd rather us have 12 bodies that are at 100% fitness rather than 11 bodies and have one guy be at like 75%. You know what I mean? It's just, I'd rather have the energy going into the game, which unfortunately didn't work out in our favor, but I like the thought process of keeping him out personally. Yeah, you mentioned
0: energy. Um, kind of was hoping for a lot of that for UMass mm-hmm. at the start of this game, just considering how the last game in Lake Placid ended against Clarkson. Just a really disappointing outcome there. You hope to see high energy to start. And I guess I would call it sluggish how UMass came out in this first period. Um, that's how it looked to me. A lot of defensive miscues here in this first uh, this first period. UMass's first power play of the game, they gave up uh, one or two breakaways and then another two-on-one uh, yeah. all on the same power play, which was really disappointing um, having the the power play give up a shorthanded goal against in the last game as well. So uh, there, there were no goals in this period, but I really didn't like the effort personally.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just in regards to especially like the shorthanded breakaways given up, like that's that's concerning. You know, it, there there's no way of kind of, you know, sugarcoating that. And just kind of overall the way we played, I mean – it looked like at least in kind of the first period and a half, maybe two periods. I don't think we looked particularly bad offensively, Mm -hmm. but I think there were definitely miscues where just the passing wasn't as crisp. You know, like we kind of looked like dare I say, I don't want to start hitting the panic button here, but we kind of looked like last year's UMass team a little bit Mm -hmm. just in the case of, you know, passes, not connecting, looking a little bit lost out there on the ice, not really knowing where everybody was. It just kind of felt like the overall chemistry between between players wasn't really there. Obviously, it started to pick up a bit more, you know, as the game went on, which is an encouraging sign. But if you want to be a top level team in hockey east, you got to be on your game all three periods. I feel like we've stressed us a ton throughout the season. You know, we've, we've talked about this team as being a third period team a lot. And that can be a great thing because at the end of the day, if you're getting results, that's totally fine. But when you have games like this in the games over the past couple, you know, a couple of weeks now where we haven't been getting the results, where we have been looking good in the third period, but it hasn't been enough. You start to think, you know, how much different could that game have gone if we were able to play all three periods to the way that we could, you know, and that's kind of where where my headspace is at right now. It's just I'm not I'm not particularly impressed with just kind of how we've been opening games recently. You know, where, you know, it's great to have that third period and, you know, we can always kind of, I guess, outlast the other team. And then we always think like, oh, if the game goes to overtime, if we just had an extra five minutes of five on five, we would have won that game. Like we were thinking that about the Cornell game. I feel like we could have potentially said that about this UConn game as well. But you still got to show up all three periods if you want to dominate a game. And we haven't really been doing that recently at all.
0: For sure. And one thing I noticed a lot in this first period, um, it ended up being the case for the full 65 minutes of this game, is UConn really outclassed us with their speed. Um, mm-hmm. that's, why I, that's why I started this out saying sluggish. It seemed like we were getting beat to the puck, yep. or uh, just kind of blown past in the neutral zone quite a bit. So that was uh not, not something specific to the first period. That kind of lasted the whole game. But um, UConn committed a roughing penalty with 20 seconds left in the first period. So UMass started the second on the power play. Um, and this power play looked much better than that first one in the first. Um, we see Scott Morrow end up with the puck. He dishes it off to to Jack Musa, who kind of has his back to the net um, as Morrow's passing the puck. Uh, he turns and fires a one timer, picks the corner beautifully um, to make it one nothing, and just a, a really pretty goal for Musa.
1: I'm super happy to see this one too because I don't know if I mentioned in the last pod, but uh, we were hanging out by the tunnels, I think, in uh, in Lake Placid, and they were all just kind of you know like doing their little like pregame like warm-up routine in the tunnel, you know giving high fives and stuff, getting hype. And I saw Musa and I, and I was like, Hey Musa, you know, and he like looked up at me and I was like, I want a goal tonight. He didn't end up giving it to me, you know, that weekend, but this weekend he gets his goal. I like to think he did it, you know, because I told him to, obviously that's not the case, but that would have been pretty cool. But regardless, super happy that he got a goal here. I mean, he, he realistically was kind of one of the forwards that was driving a lot of the plays, you know, just in this game overall, you know, he, he, I really can't think of many games where he's kind of had a down game for us. Like it's like that classic meme. Like if nobody else got me, I know Jack Musa got me, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how it is. He, he hasn't really had many off games and you know, his, his power play kind of like net front presence has been absolutely massive for our power play. Like whether it's, you know, this, this crazy one T that you'll see, you know, from, from this game or, you know, like Ufko and him have connected so many times on the power play when it comes to just Ufko kind of sitting along the blue line, giving this weird kind of slap pass right into, like, the mid-slot, and then it's just a nice little redirect from Musa. That's that's Musa's game. He'll find the soft spot in the defense on the power play, and he'll find a way to direct the puck on net. And half the time it's going in because he's just that clinical when it comes to those types of plays.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really great to see, and he's been – Absolutely stellar in his rookie season so far. Absolutely no complaints there. But um, this momentum that UMass got finally in the second period, it only lasted 43 seconds. We see UConn skate the puck out of their own defensive zone. Um, I just took a look at the video to see who it was. Uh, three UMass players, Cole O'Hara, Scott Morrow, and uh, Aaron Bollinger, they all get blown past by Jake Percival. Um, he's able to corral a pass. Ah, uh, just splits all three of them with his speed. UMass looking really flat-footed on this play, and they give up the lead immediately. Tough, tough goal to give up right there.
1: If if I could describe this goal, I'd call it like the Bermuda Triangle. Like mm-hmm. like like the three the three UMass players were making a perfect triangle right around him, and classic you know Bermuda Triangle kind of lore, if you will. People tend to get lost in there. We looked absolutely absolutely lost on that defensive play. Like d- nobody really knew exactly who to track, and I think we were just too slow you know kind of like what you were saying earlier uh cam in the first period we just we weren't keeping up with them skating wise and i feel like that was kind of the the big kind of issue with this play was that like i it feels like we we recognize that you know obviously he was getting a little bit open i'm pretty sure it was bollinger who kind of recognized like hey i gotta get over here and you know try and cover this guy because he's wide open right here but percival just had the speed you know what i mean he was just able to kind of break away from the defense and. It was a it was a pretty solid shot from him as well. I mean, the the classic case of you you'd wish that Brady could do better there, but I mean again, it's a breakaway. Like you know, I I don't really tend to put breakaways on the 10D. That's that's more of a massive defensive breakdown. But it would have been ideal to get it saved there. But it is what it is in this goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, kind of more of the same as as the first period as the second period went on. Um, UConn able to get, uh, in the first half of the second, able to get a lot of pressure in front of the net. UMass had a lot of trouble clearing pucks from out front. Um, at one point midway through the second, they're kind of just skating, doing laps around the goal. Um, no pressure really put on them to clear the puck out of the way. Um, Joey Muldowney, he ends up with the puck kind of back to Brady, but just a couple feet out. He spins and fires one, uh, looks like it's going wide and then it ends up going off of Aaron Bollinger skate and into the goal um kind of a wild goal i wouldn't even put it on this one on brady either of course uh, not. UMass, yeah you guys had a lot of trouble clearing this one out that puck was going to go wide
1: until it hit uh bollinger's skate so uh another tough one right there and uconn takes the lead i mean you know i don't want to be the the token brady defender here but like he genuinely had like the entire you know area up to the post covered there. You know, like if if the if the shot was going to come from that angle, like he was he was, his, his pad was there. It was just nobody was expected to go wide of the post and then and then Kareem back in. You know what I mean? Like it was definitely you know not expected by anybody there. um Really, again, it's not. It, this isn't like again. This is why I'm not really like panicking about this outcome. Like super unlucky goal against right there. Yeah. Do, do you wish the defense did better there? Of course, but nobody's expecting a random little bounce off of Bollinger skate. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those really weird goals. That was his first goal of his of his collegiate career. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, it, it's, it's such a weird scenario there. So I'm not totally worried about that sort of play, but I wish we had a couple more bounces go our way. You know what I mean? Like that's just one of those where it's just like, oh, uh, it's a freaking backbreaker because, you know, again, we weren't necessarily playing to our best, but like that goal doesn't go in we'd be smiling right now. You know what I mean? Because of the way they'll be played in the third. So mm-hmm. I don't know, really weird scenario overall.
0: Yeah. And you must actually finished this period decently strong. They ended up, I, I don't know if this is official, but it says they had 18 shots in the period. Um, and they had between the first and the second, 28 shots just watching from the stands, It really didn't feel like that up until yeah. this point. Um, a lot of those shots were uh, soft saves for the goalie. Um, but Nonetheless, they had 28 shots. They looked a little better at the end of the second. Start of the third. Um, they really didn't look good. Had a lot of trouble stringing together anything in terms of quality chances. Um, get down to um, 12 minutes left in the game. We see Cole O'Hara skate the puck into the offensive zone along the boards. Um, he just kind of spins and fires a pass towards the towards the crease. Kenny Connors is there. Goes right to his stick. Um, Goalie didn't expect it at all. Uh, and Connors is able to, to put one home. Uh, kind of against the run of play, but very welcome goal for UMass to tie the game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just to kind of touch upon like the the whole shot attempts thing that you were talking about. Like, it definitely didn't feel like there was 28 shots there, but like, I feel like that was definitely part of the game plan because I feel like like, like with what Carvey said last weekend was he didn't really you know like the way that we weren't really getting too many pucks to the net. You know, like we weren't really playing you know any sort of like big like net front presence trying to get tips. You know, rebound shots. I can remember at least two to three different plays where the puck would be just kind of bouncing on the crease. And we had three different dudes just whacking away in front of it. Like we were looking for greasy goals. So I feel like that was where kind of like a lot of those, you know, shot attempts kind of came from because, you know, there could have been four technical you know, like technically like four or five different shot attempts on one little net front scrum. And we just wouldn't have, you know, even registered that in mm-hmm. our brains. So there was definitely some weird plays like that, but yeah, I mean, that goal right there, you know, I was talking about puck luck before, kind of not really being in our favor. That right there, we got we got a little bit back. You know, you kind of create your own puck luck in a sense where, you know, again, you're just putting pucks on net, putting it in the correct area. That's why coaches preach that kind of stuff, you know what I mean, It's for that type of play. So it was definitely great to see. But like you said, I'd say pretty pretty against the run of play, but definitely a welcome goal regardless.
0: It definitely was. It tied the game. And then five minutes later, UMass finds himself on the power play. They're kind of wheeling the puck around the zone. Goes from Musa to Ufko to Idar Suniev at the top of the face-off circle. Skates with the puck for a little bit. Then absolutely nips one home. A lot of traffic out in front. He finds the the perfect top right corner of the net. All of a sudden, UMass takes the lead 3-2,
1: to two and the boys were absolutely buzzing. I was going to say, yeah, the boys were buzzing definitely after that second goal. You know, like we were just like, I wouldn't really say we were necessarily like all over them, but we were definitely getting a lot more, you know, zone time, a lot more pressure, getting more pucks to the net. And I feel like this was kind of like a textbook Sunia goal. If you know, dare I say, I feel like he scored, I think that was his eighth of the season, correct me if I'm wrong. And if, I mean, if if that was his eighth, I want to say at least three or four other goals that he scored have been very similar to that, you know, just kind of dancing around the blue line on the power play finding, you know, kind of the the space in to get a forehand shot off and just somehow finding that twine-seeking missile that'll just, you know, maneuver its way around, you know, multiple bodies in front, and it hits the back twine. You know, that's been one of, you know, the the best parts of his game, realistically. Like, he's a decent playmaker. He's a big body. You know, he can skate pretty well. But the reason why we brought him into UMass is because his shot is absolutely electric. You know, it might not always be the quickest shot, but it doesn't have to be. It's accurate as hell. You know, it didn't matter if that puck was going three miles an hour or 83 miles an hour. With that much traffic in front and the 10 not being able to see, it was going to find its way in regardless. So really, really good shot from Suniev there. And I feel a little more vindicated by saying that he was very well potentially going to be our top goal scorer this season. I think he's tied right now for first because mm-hmm. I'm actually getting it put he's up. Tied, right. He's tied it with Musa for eight yeah. goals. Yeah, right I mean – that That's already crazy enough, I feel like, to know that our two top goal scorers this season are both freshmen. Like, that's absolutely electric to see. And, you know, it was definitely, you know, I thought it was going to be between Lushmelis, you know, and Sunia for top rookie or freshman point getter. It's looking like it's Musa right now. And Musa's been really, really good. But, yeah. That goal from from Sunyev right there was absolutely insane. Me and you were going bonkers in the stands. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was a great one to take the lead.
0: It was, and UMass kept buzzing after that. Um, they hit the post multiple times in this mm-hmm. third period, so could have been even more here in the third. And then all of it came to a screeching halt <sighs> with a couple minutes left in the third period. Um, we see Taylor McCarr take a high sticking penalty. Wasn't his first penalty in this game, and it came. At an absolutely brutal time, at 17.42 in the third, UConn looked clinical on the ensuing power play. Just a couple seconds later, um, they set up their triangle, go tic-tac-toe. Uh, watching this back, I actually, uh, I think I'm going to blame Kenny Connors on this one. He kind of lets um, the UConn player, Hudson Shandor, just glide into the, into the crease to be able to tap this one home. Doesn't cover him effectively. And just like that, um, off of another bone, I got to be honest, another boneheaded penalty from Taylor late in the game uconn ties
1: this one up yeah i'm gonna tell you right now i don't blame kenny connors in this goal i blame taylor mccarr <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I mean, we did we didn't really mention it too much this episode but he had a penalty i think it was in the beginning of the second let me double check the box score forget what it was i know it was, it was, in the, pre- it was the
0: first it was in the first first penalty of the game
1: okay yeah i guess I remember Like, call. yeah it was basically like it was a really short-lived penalty kill for us because i think they ended up getting like a roughing or something like that like 10 seconds after the fact so Nobody really like processed like the penalty, basically. But that was his second penalty of the game, and this is probably the wor- worst time penalty that one could take. You know what I mean? Like, two and a half minutes left, roughly in the game. You're up a goal. All you got to do is just play clean. You know what I mean? Like, we were buzzing at this point. We had crazy momentum. Just play a smart style of hockey and ice the game. You know what I mean? There's no need to do anything crazy. you could even potentially get a penalty here. And lo and behold, I mean we were given, I think Taylor some pretty decent props last episode. It's been at least a couple games. You know what I mean? Like it, it hadn't really been like a recurring theme for a while now. And what do you know here? We write, you know, we're right back to, you know, basically where we started, we were complaining about stupid penalties out of him. Like, I just, I, I don't know, Cameron. I really don't know. Like we, we had this game essentially in the bag and then for lack of a better term, we pissed it all away. You know what I mean? And, it's, you know, it, it, it genuinely stings because, again, the third period, everything was going so well. And like you said, screeching halt. And here we are talking about a, a shootout loss. You know what I mean? Like, just imagine how different things could have been in this game.
0: Yeah, UMass Twitter was very up in arms after that happened. As right they should for, be. Rightfully so, especially yes, after sir. the last couple of games. Um, a very winnable stretch of games. You, you have that go wrong. Um, we'll, we'll finish up. Summarizing this and get more into it, but this game obviously goes to overtime. Uh, UMass actually dings post again. I, I think it might have been Taylor McCarr that ring that rang post. You might
1: you might be right on that actually. In, in
0: overtime, which would be uh, we wouldn't even ironic, yeah. We wouldn't even be talking negatively about him at all if that had found the back of the net, but no, we still would have, yeah, we would have brought it up, but yeah. uh, he could have redeemed himself on that one, didn't end up working out. Goes to a shootout, uh, a place where the last few seasons UMass has notoriously performed pretty poorly um we see a new lineup i think i almost predicted the lineup for UMass you perfectly did. You did. um when they came out connor's went first um and at that point it honestly seemed like we were cursed because his stick broke trying to get a shot off yeah. couldn't even get it on net yeah. um Suniev went he got stuffed uh by the right post after a little um forehand backhand move i think scott morrow went third i think he missed the net completely no he didn't <laughs> Did uh,
1: I I can actually I, I actually remember these ones pretty well. I'm sure, pretty sure Suni, I'm pretty sure Suniab got saved by the right. Yeah, bat. he did. He tried to go uh, forehand, backhand, and got yeah, yeah. stopped. At well, the, you said at you said post. post, that's why I was yeah. like, huh? But yeah, no. post.
0: yeah, it was a pretty good move.
1: Yeah, it was he had him basically beat. It was an insane save. That yeah. random little side note, UConn's handy was insane. Yeah, like there's a reason why we had 45 or 40 something shots on net and we only scored three goals. You know what I mean? Like he had some 10 bell glove saves, dude. Like, Scott Morrow in the high slot, basically, wide open shot, just absolutely robbing people, windmill glove saves. So that was super annoying right off the bat. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure um, Morrow's attempt in the shootout, I want to say it was a little, like, backhand forehand. I know he shot it on the forehand, but I'm pretty sure it ended up getting, like, put right into the goalie's chest. Like, Tendy saw it basically the whole way and just easy, easy chest save for him, so... Didn't even really look like he had much net to shoot at there. Tenney just kind of tracked it the whole way. But, yeah, super unfortunate.
0: Yeah, um, and UMass goes 0-4 in the shootout. Brady made a couple good saves, but um, in the fourth round, he finally let one pass, and that's it. UMass drops the extra hockey east point. They only get one out of three hockey east points um, against UConn, a team that's at the bottom of the standings right now. Really, really disappointing outcome. We already talked about the penalty and how they really could have won it in regulation. They were just a bit more disciplined. Um, our buddy Fight Mass on Twitter, he said, when do we uh, get to have the conversation about Carville's team's inability to be competitive in shootouts? And I think now's the time. I think we got to yeah. have it. Um, so far this season, we're 0 for 8 on the shootouts, which is absolutely atrocious. I mean, we've given up four in eight attempts on the other side of things. Um so to go over eight is is really poor, and there's going to be a lot of people that say, "Oh, it's the shootout; it doesn't matter; it's not going to happen in the postseason." That kind of thing, but it's really affected our seasons the last couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. it kept us from playing Arizona State in Lake Placid, a much better team, a ranked team. That if we had beat Arizona State, our pairwise would have been impacted significantly. Um, it. It made it, it cost us the the Belfast tournament last year yep. uh, against Quinnipiac. Obviously, the the result was a tie, and the shootout didn't really matter, but it did. They Quinnipiac got a trophy and everything for it. Um, I'm sure their team I went up. They ended up winning the national championship, so um, I'm I'm I'd be wrong if I said that didn't help it out, at least a little bit. Um, and then hockey East points, obviously, that's the most important thing. We're just dropping them in the shootout. So uh, when your pairwise is dropping, I mean. We literally went from ninth in pairwise to to 14th in the last couple of days uh, through the last three games. Could have improved it um, with a shootout win, getting to play a better team. But this, for the people saying that it's not affecting the team or it's not affecting the standings or anything, it doesn't matter. It certainly does.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like realistically, right? Like, aren't shootouts a pretty damn easy thing to practice? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like free throws, right? Yeah. I mean, basically, right. Like you, you all, you don't, do you really need a, a, like a goalie there? Like you can just kind of practice your hands a little bit. You know what I mean? Like just try and make some moves on an empty net. Like just do something. We got three different goalies to practice on. You know what I mean? Like I, I just don't understand the idea of not just having like four or five guys on the team that just five minutes left in practice, take a couple shootout attempts. You know what I mean? And maybe that's already the case. Maybe we're just getting super unlucky. I don't know. But there there is definitely something going on here like people have been getting unlucky i get that there's been some really really good saves from the other team's goaltenders there's been some broken sticks involved i'm not here to make excuses but yeah things haven't gone you know perfectly for us it's not like we're just you know shooting it over the net every time you know what i mean like we do look you know like like we can actually do some things you know what i mean it's not like we just look completely lost but you know, we haven't been getting the results, and that is certainly concerning. I don't really know what the fix is. I don't know if it's trying different people on shootouts. You know what I mean? Because, like, clearly whoever we're trying right now isn't working. But... Hey, I mean,
0: they, to give them credit, they did switch it up for this game. A little um, bit, yeah. I don't think we've seen Suniev take a, a shootout attempt yet. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know if we've seen Connors take one. I thought both of them were deserving. us pretty upset, honestly, that Jack Musa didn't get a chance. I think yeah. he definitely earned it with his play the last few days, but...
1: I mean i know i know the the big guy that's been doing them a lot has been michael cameron and yep. if i remember correctly he's had three shooter attempts this season i'm pretty sure two of them have been post ringers yeah so it's like i don't know like again results wise we haven't looked good but it's like i just feel like this this is a game of such fine margins and i feel like we've been right there you know what i mean like you know if if you're just a millimeter over, you know, to the left or to the right or up or down or whatever, we we might have two extra points. You know what I mean? Like who knows? It's just uh it's so it's so frustrating to see because I've realized with a lot of Carvel coach teams there's there's not a very big emphasis on the individual. You know what I mean? Like when when it comes to the culture, the you know, everything regarding this program it is extremely team oriented. And the the one thing that I kind of notice is that when it comes to the one part of hockey that is not extremely team oriented, that's where we're not doing very well. You know what I mean? Like we're sitting here talking about shootouts, which are in essence, the most individualistic hockey experience that one could have, you know, it's you versus the goaltender. There is no other external factors. You don't have your teammates to help. You You don't have anything. It's just you in the net. And that's where we've been kind of not getting the job done is because I've realized in a lot of games that we play, when you look at, when you look at you know goals that UMass scores, it's not like we're really scoring on breakaways that much. And the only person that's ever really done that is Michael Cameron. And for some reason he can't do it in a shootout. It's super weird. Yeah. But like you know, three quarters of the time when we're scoring a goal, it's basically on an empty net because our passing has been so stellar. You know what I mean? Or there's three guys in front of the net. You know, we're not getting like just clean looks one on one with the goaltender and sniping it past them for the most part there's always some sort of external factor going on. It's
0: rough because I feel like we give up multiple opportunities like that and give up goals in that fashion. Yeah. almost every game it seems yeah. like.
1: I mean, for sure, right? I'm just talking like mainly on like the scoring side. You know what right. I mean? Right. Like that's like that's what I don't I don't know. It's really really unfortunate, but yeah, I do, I don't know what the what the, the what the fix is. You know what I mean? Like 'Cause everything that I feel like I've already recommended, like you're telling me that car you know, you tell me the coaching staff's not aware of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think they're naive and blind to the situation, but I I don't know. Maybe other people can chime in with their thoughts, you know, like whenever we post this episode, they could put some comments down or something. Cause I'm curious to see what they have to say. Cause at this point I'm at a loss. I'll be honest with you. I mean, obviously
0: Carvey's been pretty vocal about his dislike for the three on three and for the shootouts. Um, I think last year he had a quote kind of complaining about games ending like that. And uh, you can not like it all you want. It's still a factor and it still puts up hockey's points for grabs. So um, it's, it's here to stay and definitely got to take advantage where we can. Speaking of Carvey, I have a quote from him after this game. He said tonight's game felt very similar to our last two games, another game in overtime, but another game that I thought we were slightly the better team and found a way to fight back and take the lead. The one thing with this team is they need to learn how to win. We take a penalty, I think an unnecessary penalty to give them a power play. And then we didn't do a very good job on the kill, obviously, but I like the way our team competes. I like the way we played. We played hard for the most part, a lot of positives. We are missing three really important players on our team right now. And this is the stretch where we knew we weren't going to have them and I think we're probably a difference, but I like the way our team played tonight. Uh interesting quote, in my opinion. I would say that it was correct if he's talking about the third period. Uh I don't I think I disagree with him um, for the whole game, however. I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel exactly the same way about how you best played for this whole game.
1: I mean look, if I'm a coach, right? And if I'm here to give to give you know a quote after the game if i'm in carvey's shoes right there i get what he's saying right like it's not like this was an effort issue you know what i mean like we saw the you know everybody was finishing their checks they were playing it, hard
0: it was like, defensively at a couple couple moments
1: i don't think it was this, i think it was a it, like there's a difference between having issues with effort and having issues based off like you know defensive misreads and mental errors yeah it's not like somebody was just being lazy and that was the reason why we were getting scored on You know what I mean? Like the first goal, defensive miscue, you know, Morrow clearly thought that Bollinger had the guy. Bollinger thought that Morrow had the guy. It is what it is. You know, second goal, really crappy bounce in front of the net. Nobody can plan for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then the third goal, that's Taylor McCarr being a dope. You know what I mean? That's not – that could be considered a lazy play in theory because he could have just hustled back instead of trying to high stick the guy. It is what it is. But my point is, is that it's not like we were playing – we weren't playing slow on purpose. We weren't playing with a lack of energy. We we were trying to win this game. You know what I mean? Like the boys yeah. were giving it all. You can't fault the effort. The execution wasn't necessarily there, but the effort was sure as hell there. So I understand where Carvey's coming from. You know, it's not like he was disappointed with the way that the team played. He's disappointed in the result, but not with the way that the team inherently played. I feel like there's a difference there. You can be happy with how your team played and be, you know, unhappy with the fact that we lost in a shootout. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. again, two minutes left in the game and that's where we screwed up and that's you know it turned a regulation win into a shootout loss like we got we got to kind of look at the game as a whole here like you know there were definitely reasons to be upset with you know some of the goals that we let in and stuff like that but 95 percent of this game was lost in the last two minutes of regulation in my opinion mm-hmm. so i don't know i feel like we'd be singing an entirely different tune here if there wasn't a boneheaded penalty
0: I think it is worth saying um, UMass did get pretty lucky at times. Uh, They were also unlucky at times hitting the post and stuff like that. But um, many occasions throughout this game where it seemed like UConn had a wide open net with the puck on their stick and they just flat out missed the net by like three feet. Um, Definitely had a few moments uh, where UMass got lucky, but UConn had a few moments where they got lucky as well. So um, kind of evens out, I guess, all in the end. But uh, is there anything else we should talk about before we get into our awards?
1: not really. Um, yeah, I say we, I say we just move on.
0: All right. So first award we give out is CCC Carvel's character and compete award, basically the player of the game. And, uh, it's not the first time this season and it probably won't be the last. This one's going to Jack Musa. Um, he got you your goal that he promised you just a game late, but, (laughs) uh, that's totally fine. A goal and an assist. He was a really powerful presence out there on the ice. I love having him out in front of the net tipping pucks. Um, screening the goalie. He's just been an absolute joy to watch this year and so
1: excited that he's just a freshman, to be honest. It's going to be fun watching him for the next few years. Jack Musa is him. (laughs) I think we can say that pretty definitively. I mean, you know, the things that he's done on the ice so far this season, it's not like this is one of those just, like, crazy fluke things where, like, a player gets hot and they're just going off on a tear. Like, he has shown quality – in basically every single game that he's played, you know what I mean? Like he has been a dominant factor, especially with, I know, I don't want to say like limited minutes, but like, you know, he's been shuffled around the lineup a little bit. He's basically playing, you know, depending on how you want to think of it, you know, he's basically on like, I think the third line, you know what I mean? But we tend to roll the lines fairly, you know, like evenly, I guess. So it's not like he's getting like diminished minutes, but Mm -hmm. you know, He's he, in the, in the time on ice that he's been given, he's been absolutely killing it and very, very happy with the way that he plays. He plays with speed. I think his, the best part of his game is just the overall finesse. He's very agile on his skates. He has very, very quick hands. He just makes moves so much quicker than so many other people on the ice. You know, like it's very hard to defend against him. And that's been a very, very key part of his game. And it's only going to get better. You know what I mean? Like you said, kids a freshman. You know, hopefully we get – I'm praying that we get two more years minimum out of this kid because as it stands right now, he's not drafted. I don't think he's draft eligible anymore, so I don't think we have to worry about that. But I'm hoping that no NHL team poaches him, you know, in, in the coming off seasons because that would stalk for us because he's been really, really good for us.
0: He has, and uh, just excited to get to keep watching him. He's He's been fun. Definitely.
1: All right, so our next
0: award, the Good Try Award, um, basically who we thought – Can be better for the next game uh you and i were in agreement pretty quickly on this one it's taylor mccarr um he had two penalties one of them directly leading to umass uh having to play overtime and eventually uh losing a shootout so um that'll get you most days for our our recaps but uh, another thing that we haven't really discussed there were multiple times that we were able to count throughout the game where um, he realized that it was his time to go for a change and yep. fully gave up on the play. Yeah. Um, I believe after he got his tripping penalty in the first period, uh, whistle was not blown. He completely gave up on the play when he could have easily skated over and touched up the puck to, um, to have the whistle get blown for the penalty. But he, he put his head down and just skated to the bench. And, and it's not the first time that, it, that has happened, and it happened later on in this game as well. So um, I really don't like seeing that, uh, especially when you could help. You already negatively affected your team, and you have the ability to help them out a little bit. Um, I I was pretty upset when I saw that.
1: Yeah, I mean the the one instance that you described there, you know, he like tripped the guy or whatever, whatever the penalty call was, where you know you could tell he was immediately frustrated. He like looked to the sky real quick, and he immediately went off for a change when he there was nobody within even remote reach of the puck. He could have touched it up and at least you know killed the play, so we wouldn't have to play you know against an extra guy for a couple of seconds while the tender was pulled. But the, I mean, the only thing I can kind of give him a pass on, in my opinion, is sometimes if you've already kind of, I don't want to say like you know giving up on the play, but if you know that you're going for a change, you're already heading towards the the bench, you don't want to touch the puck. You know what I mean? Because we've already taken you know in this game alone, we already took you know one too many men penalty. I feel like if you're committing to the change you have to kind of hard commit to it. You know what I mean? Because if you, if you break away from the play or if you look behind you real quick, like if there's a puck in your, in your skates and you're going off for a change, the guy that you might be coming out for might already be on the ice. You know what I mean? You don't want to screw over your team like that. So don't get me wrong. There's probably a couple of, you know, of of those instances where he just doesn't want to, you know, (laughs) we have already harping on him enough for penalties. Let's make sure he doesn't cause another, you know what I mean? So, I mean, there were definitely a couple of situations like that, like that, but, the one that you were describing, of course, not not a good play when it comes to, you know, effort. That was one where we, we were looking at each other in utter disbelief. Like, what is he thinking? You know what I mean? He was clear. That was a frustration kind of move there. He just said, get me off the ice. I already screwed up this ship. Let's just go to the next one. And, you know, it wasn't a good look overall. And this definitely was a, was a game to forget for for Taylor McCarr, I would say.
0: Yeah, we know all. he's got all the skill, all the speed. Yeah, we um, see it every episode yeah he's that's the, kind of the case of the season so far he's he's got all the raw tools and talent um there was a good stretch where he wasn't taking the dumb penalties, which was pretty nice but yeah. he's not finding his way on the scoring sheet as much it's it's there for the taking it's just something that kind of needs to be unlocked and i don't I don't know how he can get there, but I definitely see the the raw potential that he's got it's just frustrating to see this I mean, type of thing
1: and the one thing I will add if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about we're gonna use this time to talk about Taylor McCarr's season right and I'm not going to go into anything crazy mm-hmm. but he has seven points in the season. He's still a plus six. He has one of the highest plus minuses on the team. Mm-hmm. I think he's tied for second and plus minus. I've I, I don't remember if I said it last episode or maybe it was just talking to you, you know, off air. But basically, he's he's looked very, very good every time he's on the ice. He's a danger every single time he's out there. You know, we always talk about his his one chance per game where he goes out there, takes the puck from behind his own net, and just will start flying up the ice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That right there is enough of a detriment, you know, to the other team to where they have to look at him on every play because they know that he has that ability inside of him. I think if there was a metric for, like, missed goals and missed assists, he'd be leading the nation in it right now. He, I think, you know, has been much, much better than what his his kind of overall season scoreline would suggest. You know, four goals, three assists on the season, seven points in 19 games – I'll be honest with you. If we were going purely off the eye test and just how he plays, I would have suggested that that point total be doubled right now. You know what I mean? Like he set up a lot of chances. He's played very, very well with a lot of speed and a lot of skill. And he just hasn't been rewarded for it. I get how that can be frustrating. You know what I mean? And maybe that will sometimes lead into his, his mental and he'll start, you know, trying to do things on the other end of the ice and trying to make big defensive plays, which leads to him getting penalties. I don't know. But, I I don't know. If you look at it besides the penalties, I really do think he's he's having a better season than a lot of people would suggest right now.
0: Yeah, we've definitely been able to see those improvements. Um it's it's tough probably for him and for others when he's not showing up on the scoring sheet. Especially last year was he tied for the team leading goals?
1: Last year, uh, let me double check right now. I got it pulled up. He, I, I believe that there was the race for double digits at the end of last season. He, that we he, were... he ended up being the leader. He had 10 goals on the season, the only person at double digits. We had a couple yeah. with nine, but he was uh, He was the only one that ended up getting to the 10 mark.
0: Yeah, so it, it's there. It's definitely looked better this season. Not totally rewarded on the stat sheet, but, yeah, we we expect better from Taylor. don't want to see this type of thing, especially with the penalties next game. 100%. All right. So let's head over to
1: custom awards. What do you got for us this week? All right. So we're gonna throw this one back a little bit to uh it's the twenty nineteen uh regionals for for the for the national tournament. So in Manchester. So let's think let's think of a name that we all know very, very well and we all love here on the pod and for all UMass hockey fans on the whole, Hale McCarr. Right. Well, we're tough
0: all- tough to follow up our last guy. I should have went first.
1: You, you think? You, I mean, look, I'm already, I'm already in here. Let's yeah, go get for this it. Over with. So, Kale had probably one of the greatest defensive plays I have ever seen. Where I think it was a Harvard player. I want to say it was against Harvard when this happened. Correct. And Harvard guy was just in on a breakaway. T- Kale, I was about as calling Taylor. Kale was, you know, he was the only guy that was basically able to backtrack at that point. Maybe took two to three strides and just easily like was just staring at the guy. He looked like a, like a, like a Mario Kart guy. Like when he has like the, like the boost mushroom and he's just like flying right past him, staring at him all the whole time, easy stick lift, grab the puck circles goes the other way. Now we look to today. Now don't get me wrong. I am not comparing these two individuals just yet. <laughs> I hope that this guy can reach the levels of Kale McCarr. McCart. I'm talking about Sebastian Tornfist here. He kind of gave the puck away a little bit on the blue line. I don't remember if it was on a power play or not, but basically tried to go for a shot. It got poked off of his stick and he had to start going the other way to try and back check. He, it took him a lot more strides than just like the two or three that I think Kale took. But Sebastian Kornfist was hauling ass for for, for lack of a better term. I think he took like 25 strides just to get back (laughs) up to it. Like with a little leg, they were chugging along, but comes right back. Perfect. Stick lift, literally textbook stick lift, grabs the puck, starts going the other way again. I'm calling it the give and take award. He lost the puck a little bit, you know, really unfortunate turnover there, but he took it right back. He he rectified the situation, and it reminded me of one of the, one of the UMass greats. So I figured we'll give him a little bit of a shout-out for great hustle play, great skating, great stick lift, and, you know, fixes up an error because we were talking about those defensive turnovers and breakaways basically all game. That could have been one more if it wasn't for Torrenquist coming back.
0: Yeah, if uh, if Kale's play that you mentioned there was doing the right work to get the right answer, Tornquist did the wrong work, got the right answer. Um, there you the, go. The turnover uh, hauled it back over there, but he's able to get a nice chase down back check uh, stick lift. So, yeah, good, good award there, good effort from him um, after giving up the puck. I guess he ends up net neutral on that play, but really yeah. nice looking play on the back check for sure. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I am going to be giving out the he should have been there award. We have world juniors uh, that just finished up. Don Melis played for Team Latvia. Michael rabble played for the Czechs. And another guy that should have been there for UMass, but wasn't, Idar Sunyev. Uh, he's Russian. Um, Russia is not able to compete in international tournaments right now uh, for obvious reasons of things going on in the world. Um, so Suniev didn't get the chance to represent his country. He absolutely would have been playing for that team if they were able to compete. Uh, and UMass is better off for it. In the last three games, Suniev has been absolutely electric. He's scoring a lot of goals. Uh, it took him a little bit to get hot this season, but he's on a heater right now, scoring a lot. He's really involved in the offense, uh, really involved in the power play. He's been very, very fun to watch, and um, unfortunate situation for why he wasn't able to to play for a medal in World Juniors. But we're we've been lucky to to take advantage of that situation at UMass.
1: Yeah, super happy that he's kind of still with us. Obviously, it's a little selfish, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of a you know kind of kind of future talent a little bit here. But if he were to be a part of the World Juniors, I would have seen him ending up a lot like Kenny Connors with with Team USA like maybe wasn't like the immediate, like lock pick to be on the team. He, because I mean, don't get me wrong. Russia has a crap ton of talent. You know what I mean? There's probably 15 other players that are playing, you know, in the KHL right now that none of us have even heard of, you know what I mean? But Suniev is still one of those really, really, you know, really good prospects for Russia right now. And I feel like he would have, you know, probably ended up making the team. It probably wouldn't have been easy. But I think he would have, you know, he would have ended up making the team. And I think kind of like Connors, he would have had some some pretty big goal contributions. You know, Connors was pretty pretty damn solid player for Team USA last season. You know what I mean? And I feel like that would be no different with Suny this season. Really, really great shot on him once again. You know, he knows how to score goals. That is his game. It's been his game basically everywhere he's played. If you looked at his elite prospects page, I think almost every season – he's had more goals than assists on basically every team Mm -hmm. that he's played for. So kid's electric. And I really, you know, regardless of, you know, what's been going on in the world, just from a pure hockey standpoint, I would have loved to seen him at world juniors. And I think he would have been, he would have, he would have done himself extremely proud because he's just that guy.
0: Yeah. He certainly would have. And it's been fun to watch him at UMass. It seems like he might've been pressing a little bit uh, in his first few games kind of kind of whiffing on one timers and stuff like that. But seems like almost every shot he takes now, right where he wants it to be, he's uh he's doing exactly what he wants to with the puck right now and it's fun to watch.
1: The last thing I'll add before we move on that's been really, really impressive Suniev to me, if we talk about his first like four or five games for UMass, like you said, you know, whiffing on a lot of shots, I think the number one thing that I've noticed that he's improved on so far this season, he's not going for the fancy play as much. I remember, you know, the first four to five games of the season, he would go for some crazy passes. Like, he was trying to get really cute with it, especially on the power play. He'd try and do some crazy little chip pass, crazy sauce pass that, you know, tended to get cut out a lot of the times. Now, I think he's just trusting in himself more to kind of just, you know, take the shot. You know what I mean? He was trying too hard to, like, acclimate into the team and say, I want to be a team player. You know, I want to set up my guys to win. He's been – I'm not going to say more selfish, but he's been playing to his strength more, which has been his shot. And I feel like that's really helped both himself and the team as a whole. I think he's starting to kind of settle into his niche with the team and start to, you know, play the way that I think he should be playing to maximize his success with UMass.
0: Yeah, he's been great. And uh, just like Jack Musa, I hope for more of the same as we go through the rest of the year here. UMass sure. is lucky to have two premier freshman Don Zalich Mellis coming back too. So uh, That'd be future, huge future bright right now. Yes, sir. All right. What do you say we uh, we hop on over to our next week's matchup with Merrimack?
1: Let's get it.
0: All right. So uh, UMass continuing their uh, start part of the schedule that's a little bit weaker than what they've had for the, the beginning half of the season. They're, they're playing a home-and-home home with Merrimack. Friday night at Mullins, Saturday night in North Andover, the classic Hockey East home-and-home. And, home. and Merrimack was picked to be a pretty solid Hockey East team this year, and they really haven't been. They're 9-9 and 1 so far this year, 2-6 and 1 in conference uh that really isn't ever going to get it done. Um I'm looking up and down their schedule. It doesn't seem like they have any real quality wins at all. Wins over some of the the bottom dwellers of uh of the pairwise ranking, Stonehill, Bentley, Army. Um they have a win over Yukon, they have a win over Northeastern, Clarkson, and, and that's about it in terms of any kind of quality wins for them Um, really not playing like they expected to this year, especially having a great year last year. So um, I think especially after UMass's slide recently um, it's, it's four or five points or I'm,
1: I'm panicking to be honest. I mean, yeah, I'm hoping for a sweep here and you know, the, the number one thing that kind of sticks out to me, just looking purely at like the player stats. Like if, if you were to compare, like, you know, like the elite prospects, like, you know, stats page for both teams, it looked very similar to one another, you know, two guys with over twenty points, and then it drops off a little bit. Two goalies that have been splitting a lot of time between each other, and it both had, you know, like Zach Zach Bourdieu for, uh, for um, Merrimack has been very solid so far. I mean, two four two goals against average, nine sixteen save percentage. It's pretty solid numbers. Better than what we have, you know what I mean, like with with how good we've been talking about Michael gravel playing realistically, man, his stats don't look that, that, you know, that, that good, you know, he's rocking a two, six, seven goals against average in a nine Oh five, save percentage. That's fine. That's probably what any NCAA team would expect out of their starting D right now. But I feel like I test wise travel has been infinitely better than that. So I don't know what's going on here, but I mean, on paper, Merrimack, at least like pure stats wise, like goalie wise, they got better stats. And when it comes to their skaters, it looks pretty similar, you know, across the board, you know, in terms of plus minus, you know, points and stuff. They know how to distribute, you know, their their scoring throughout their team pretty decently. So I'm curious to see how this weekend goes. But if we want to keep our, our tournament hopes alive and keep the pair wise going, it's, it's two wins or nothing here for me.
0: Yeah, I I fully agree. I mean, you look at their schedule, um, their offense has been able to feast off quite literally the bottom dwellers of the country. So um, those offensive numbers and the goalie numbers might not fully represent the team that they're rocking. I'm looking through their cumulative team stats. Uh, They don't look half bad, but take it with a grain of salt. Um, You heard some of their opponents that they've beaten this year for um, some of their nine wins, 3.2 goals per game. Um, pretty good 20% on the power play. Their penalty kill has been decent. Um, they, one thing that jumped out to me, they have eight major penalties so far this year in only 19 games. So might be a lot of hotheads on that team. Uh, have to keep an eye out for that in the two games over the weekend. And then, uh, pretty abysmal in the faceoff circle. They're down at 46%, uh, a place where UMass excels pretty well. So that's definitely an, an area to take care of business there
1: too. The only thing I'll add, though, and, you know, I'm going to say this as respectfully I can, as I can, Cam, but I'm going to disregard, like, half the stuff you, you just said, like, talking about, like, how they haven't really beaten anybody, because mm-hmm. we said that about UConn and, like, yeah. what happened. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what I forget what the exact stat was. What did you say? They didn't beat anybody that was better than, like, 28th in pairwise or something? Correct. UConn. So, I mean... That that got chucked out the freaking window the moment they stepped on Mull Center Ice, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's the same the same thing with Merrimack. You know, again, we, we've talked about it time and time again. Hockey East right now is by far the best conference when it comes to hockey, and everybody's can any, anybody can beat anybody in this league, you know what I mean? And we just saw that two days ago. We've been seeing it over the course of this entire season so far. You know, it's been a complete and utter crapshoot. Like me and you were a part of like a little uh hockey east like pick'em that we do with some other people. And that's been a complete crap show to try and guess for. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't really think anybody's running away with that. You know, it's been really, really tough to pick winners night in and night out. So welcome again, welcome to collegiate hockey. You know, like strap yourselves in because it's gonna be a freaking ride, dude. Like it's 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 wild trying to guess these things before the games actually happen.
0: Yeah, it's a very similar um Pretty exactly to Yukon, uh, Merrimax, I'm just looking through their their best win was against Northeastern, who's twenty fourth in the pairwise, and their record is six, nine, and two on the season. So here we go,
1: dude. <laughs>
0: um, very like holding a mirror to each other these uh, these two teams. So,, um, yeah, like I said, uh, you see all that. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily mean anything uh, to the outcome of the game, but just as a UMass fan, I'm gonna be pretty disappointed if UMass doesn't come away. With uh, a win or overtime wins in both of these games. I think it's then I think it's time to start having some real conversations of of concern for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to wrap that, to wrap up that idea, I mean, it's as simple as that. We got to turn a corner here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if we want to be the team that everybody thinks that we can be, he has been preaching it all season. He says he likes this group of kids. He thinks that this group of kids can go far. Freaking prove it to me. You know what I yep. mean? We've seen it all, you know, in the first half, but you know, we we saw that last season first half of last season was freaking mint you know what i mean we were smiling the whole time and then when we hit this time right here it all went to crap so i'm i'm you know we've been talking about how this team's different and how you know we have a different group of guys different leadership different goalie we have different everything i don't want to fall into the same habits you know so we gotta we gotta figure it out and we gotta prove that you know we're, we're here to stay in the, in the top, you know, the upper echelons of the pair wise and the, you know, the tourney talks and everything like that. We get to show that we belong.
0: Yeah, absolutely do. Uh, what do you say? We switch this over to hockey East roundup and then get out of here.
1: Let's go. All
0: right. So a lot of games on the hockey East schedule um, for this weekend. Lowell was in Arizona. They played a little mid season tournament. They lost in overtime to Omaha. Omaha a pretty good team. Uh, and then they got the chance to play Harvard. Lowell beat them seven to four. Uh, take a look at Harvard if you if you got some time. They're having an absolutely dreadful season this year. Uh, UMass was really lucky to to sneak out of there with the win that they did because Harvard is not having a good year. Um, New Hampshire played Princeton. They beat them five two in game one and three to one, three to one game two. Both of those in New uh, New Hampshire. Maine played Colgate for two games in Maine. Uh, they won the first one three to one. Tied the second one four to four, mm-hmm. so uh, pretty not a great outcome for Maine there, who's having, I believe, end of last week they were first in pairwise. I have to assume that that got knocked down a little bit after that game on Friday. BU played an exhibition game against Simone Frazier, um, and they tied uh, pretty interesting outcome from BU, one of the top teams in the league, um, but just an exhibition, so it doesn't fully affect them much uh dartmouth went to New, went to vermont and beat them four to three uh vermont was having a little bit of a surprising year but not a great outcome there, losing to dartmouth uh bc and providence also both got the chance to play exhibitions against simone frazier uh and they they both beat them so those are the hockey east outcomes for this weekend is there anything that sticks out to you there that that bu tie against I'm not even sure what that school is. It's yeah, I think it's uh If I
1: remember correctly, I think it's like a D two, like Canadian team or something like wow. that. I forget what it is. Um. Yeah, and Burn Burnaby, British Columbia. Yeah, that that's a freaking hike for them because that is all they the played three, They played three games in three days against hockeyist opponents over the weekend, dude. That's a freaking hike for them too. That's some crazy travel that they got to go through for real. But hey, fair play to them to at least get a get a get a BU result. You know what I mean? That's pretty yeah good, but. No, I mean I'm gonna probably go with the low-hanging fruit here with the with the main with the main tie four four. Yeah. I mean Main's Main's freaking legit. You know what I mean? And I get it. Like every team can stumble, you know. It happens to the best of us. But you know, 4-4, man. Like that's that's pretty wild. Was that at home? It was against yeah. the 38th place pairwise team. That's what I'm saying. But again, welcome to college hockey. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't even it, at this point, I feel like, you know, this is my eighth season paying attention to college hockey with any sort of remote detail. I feel like it should be going through my head now that I shouldn't be getting surprised at these sorts of things. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just kind of par for the course because hockey is just that type of game. But, yeah, just to see it happen, it's still, you know, a little surprising at the end of the day. You know, I'm not going to skirt around that, but definitely an interesting result for sure.
0: Yeah, and another one, um, just looking through, Lowell, I'm, I'm pretty curious. They, they're usually pretty solid in the, the time that we've been following the team. Uh, they're having a pretty down year. Uh, they played pretty well over the weekend, so perhaps they could be turning the corner a little bit. Uh, and then New Hampshire, who has fallen off, they get the job done against Princeton. So um, not a surprising result there, but uh, they, are, they are staying afloat and keeping their tournament hopes alive.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, the only other thing I guess I'll add is, I mean, UNH – was like really good to start the year. Like, I'm pretty sure they were ranked like, I think, like 10th at one point. They're uh, they, they're 10th in the pairwise right now, actually. Are they, okay, I, I forget what they were in. Um, what is it, the USCHO poll or whatever, like the writers' poll? I, want, I, I don't remember what they were in for that, but I know at one point they kind of were like in like a bit of a lull. I think it was in like late November, kind of like they were kind of dropping points. Um, and it seems like they're kind of back now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, you know? so I mean, definitely, you know it's always interesting to me to kind of watch like how the teams kind of like, you know, Ed and flow, like with like the rankings, like, you know, UMass is right now kind of on the rise again, you know what I mean? And then, you know, UMass has been historically not amazing. You know what I mean? And then like you see teams like UNH, like they used to be filthy and then they were pretty bad for a while. And now they're pretty good again. Like, it's kind of cool to see, you know, just like with like recruiting classes and new you know coaches and stuff, Kind of just how teams can become really, really good again, really, really exactly. quickly.
0: Yeah, it is. Especially Maine being number one in the pairwise, and now, yeah, uh, they're three right now, but still really good. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last episode, but BU, Maine, and BC, uh, three of the top four in pairwise right now. Hockey East is a strong league. We still got to play games against Maine and BC, so strap up. Those are going to be those are going to be a wild ride, and near the end of the season.
1: That'll be fun, but hey! Shouts out to Ben Barr, former yep. former UMass assistant, right there. I mean, Carvey's coaching tree right now is friggin' nuts. Like, yeah. like D Mike is—he's uh, a uh, assistant coach right now at Michigan State, and they're We're having they're, a
0: great season this year.
1: They're getting it done too. So, yep. I mean, whatever Carvey touches, man, it turns to gold. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's that's a really really good endorsement, just like for the hockey program and for you know the the coaching staff here as a whole. I think that's absolutely huge. Absolutely.
0: All right. I think that's everything we had. Let's get the job done against Merrimack next weekend. I think there's no excuses there. Uh, we'll be at full strength again with our guys from World Juniors uh, against uh, one of the bottom dweller hockey East teams. Although this year, that's not really saying a whole lot. But not at um, all. Definitely got to get the job done. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll we'll see you guys again next week. Hopefully, we're we're having a sweep episode. Uh, after the Merrimack series. So thank you guys and go UMass.
1: Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Let's get back to our winning ways this coming weekend, eh?